Hello, and welcome back to the Break the Twitch podcast on doing more of what matters through minimalism, habits, and creativity. I'm your host, Anthony Ungaro. In this episode, my good friend Patrick Roan is joining me. Patrick is a writer, a technology consultant, and personal advisor. In this episode, we discuss why he stopped writing on his popular website called Minimal Mac, the 300-pound piggyback guy, experiencing a three-day Franciscan silence and solitude retreat, and the ultimate question of who am I? I really enjoyed this conversation with Patrick, and I am positive that you will as well. There are so many great takeaways that you're going to get from this one. This podcast is brought to you by the new Break the Twitch member community. The member community is how you can support the work I do with Break the Twitch while getting exclusive access to many of the things I'm creating. If you choose to join the member community, you'll get access to a private Slack channel where you can exchange ideas with other community members, live streams, Q&A sessions, in addition to the audio courses that I'm creating and putting out every month. If my work with Break the Twitch has been helpful to you, I would greatly appreciate your support. You can find out more about the member community at breakthetwitch.com slash community. But for now, let's go ahead and start the show. I have to say this is a bit odd. Okay, well. For me, sitting down with you today in a, in a very positive way. Okay. Because the first time I met you yeah. was at the event that ended up getting me to dig into minimalism and start Break the Twitch ah. and effectively changed my life forever. Really? And that was and the, the, Simple Rev. Yeah, Simple Rev. Yeah. And, and you were speaking at Simple Rev, and yeah. I don't think we connected at that point Not, because yeah. it was, but but it was several months later. Yeah, but I think we met and, you know, hung out. It, it wasn't that big of an event. It yep. was like, you know, what, 30, 40 people or something like that. Yep, that first one back in 2014, yeah. I yeah. think. So you were speaking at Simple Rev. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious what led you up to that point hmm. in terms of you were speaking about, I think, technology at the time. And simplicity? I have long been interested in, you know, kind of, uh, you know, what we now call minimalism, which I didn't know there was like a word for necessarily back when I first kind of started like thinking about these things this way. Um, But uh, I'd long been kind of that uh, practitioner of that idea of, enough right that that we all have a personal enough and what we need to find what that is that you know it changes it changes based on condition but you know i think you know when we have too much of something or too little of something it you know it leads to a problem what we're all looking for is balance right we're looking for that enough i'm a long time mac user been using apple macintosh platform since 1986 um, uh, not necessarily full time in '86, but uh, but uh, I would say that by 1990 I had pretty much switched. Um, and 
sometime I I don't even remember the date. I'd have to go back and look. I just had this epiphany that you know the Mac as it currently is, and this is true today as much as it was ten years ago when this happened. Ships with everything that ninety five percent of users need, right? Mm-hmm. You know, text edit is a perfectly fine text editor that also happens to convert and read Word documents. Mm -hmm. So you don't need Office, right? Even back then, it had everything that you needed. It's like, so why do people download other stuff? I mean, I get it might be a preference thing or maybe it doesn't, it does more or whatever. But I think part of that is because people don't even realize like what the, what's there. Right. They don't spend enough time to learn like, you know, the, the things that like text edit does most. I'll tell most people like, what it does that. Yeah, it does. You know, yeah. um, you know, mail, the built in mail program. You know, it's like if once you get to know the keyboard commands and mail and know how to like, oh, my gosh, it's like email heaven. Right. And so that thought came to me. And I thought, you know, there's no one writing about this stuff. There's no one writing about the fact that, you know, everyone's doing reviews of apps and, you know, you need this and you need that and you need to get this. And you need to buy this fancy thing and you need this special thing. and You got to need, 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 need. And I'm like, no, no one's writing about the fact that look at all the things you can do with what you already have and that you don't need all these things. And that anyone telling you that you need these things is just trying to sell you something probably because they're making a buck off of it. Yeah. And even if they're not making a buck off of it, certainly the, you know, the companies that are making this stuff are making a buck off of it and a buck off of you accordingly. And so, yeah. So I started this site called minimal Mac and it was, you know, started off with that idea. The idea that the Mac as it shipped out of the box was perfect. Yeah. It was perfect for 95 or better percent of the people that use it. And it was an anecdote to an antidote, sorry, (laughs) to all of those other sites, all those other Mac fanboy sites that were telling you to buy, buy, buy more, more, more. Right. Here's the latest thing. This is Mm -hmm. resonating with me in the fact that I've been using Adobe Photoshop for 15 years at this point. Yeah. And when I started out using it, it was maybe Adobe five or Photoshop five or right, something, right. not CS five. Right. All right. The yeah. New yeah. Stuff, yeah. I yeah. Mean five. Yeah. And, and to this day, I get the new versions cause I'm on the subscription model now. Yep. yep I'm getting the want newest you to be. <laughs> stuff all the time. So I have the most recent version and they're yep. always advancing things. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I don't do anything different from what mm-hmm. I did in that first yeah. version when I started using it at yeah. like 16 years old. Right. Yeah. So that is an interesting idea. Maybe we don't really need all of these new things that have a, Oh, the interface is more beautiful or this is the thing that <laughs> yeah. most things have the features we need. Well, and you know, there's certainly things that we, you know, there's things we need. There's things that we need and really need. There's things that we think we need, but we don't really need. 
there's things that we don't know we needed until we encounter it. And we're like, oh, I had no idea. Yeah, I need to do that, right? And I think that they're, all of those are fine. They're valid. There's nothing wrong with them, right? Um, what I think is just simply important is that we really ask the question of, like, what is this thing that, like, you know, oh, wait, the heel tool? I, oh, you can do what? Oh, wait, wait, I've got some pictures that that would be really good on. Or like, you know, maybe I've got a blemish that I want to just like <laughs> get rid of. Right. You know, or maybe yeah, I got, yeah. you know, with a single click. Oh, my gosh, that's fantastic. Right. <laughs> and, and, you know, and you get what I'm saying. Right. Um, this thing that you didn't know you could do or that you never saw before and now exists in this new version. Great. If that is going to save you time and make you happier and make your pictures better and and do all the fantastic i have no argument against that right mm -hmm. um you know it's the folks that you know just upgrade because oh it's got all these new features and then never use those features right right with minimal mac i know you wrote hundreds or potentially thousands of articles over years yeah on yeah, that. about five years yeah and, and then three thousand posts somewhere around there and then you stopped yes probably i i stopped at almost the very height of his popularity yes yeah. why did you stop i had nothing more to say i mean it's as simple as that i mean and quite frankly i, I you know that's the danger i think a lot of a lot of sites run into and certainly a lot of folks in the general minimalism sort of realm run into is you know and i i'm not hating on anyone you know i love josh and uh, you know and and ryan i you know and 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 uh, mr becker and like you know i know all those guys they're friends and i yeah. and i love them you know but quite frankly they've said everything they have said everything and they're just saying it over and over and over again and they may be saying it in different ways and they've addressed every question i i don't know what more they can say it's not going to be new or different. It doesn't change. And yes, there are more and more people that maybe need to hear that message. We are certainly not on a path to simplicity on a global scale. In fact, we're on a path to further and further complexity. Capitalism is exploding. You know, we live in an age where, you know, our brains are being rewired uh mostly by marketers uh seeking to put ads in front of our eyes and get us to click and buy things um I, i'm not disputing the need for it just for me i would much rather if asked the question just be able to point to something yeah i answer that right over there go look and not have to repeat it and not have to find a new way to say it and not have to think about it again, as it were. Yeah. When I made the decision, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to end this thing. I wanted to make those things that I thought were the kind of most important things I had to say easy to find. And so that's why I went through the entire, the entire site, every single post. And I picked out the best ones and I published that in a book. Mm, yeah. So that 
people wouldn't have to search through this site to basically get the gist of everything that I wanted to say. They could kind of go through this best of book in, you know, that's laid out in chronological order, just like a blog. Um, well, blog is reverse chronological, but, uh, thank you. What you're saying. Um, and, um, and yeah, just here's everything that I have to say on this topic. And you should take this book and instead of spending hours going through the internet, finding, you know, finding the meaning here, you can find it in this book. It sounds like a great way to take that work, that body of work. Yeah. And like you said, distill it yeah. and really put it into a nice package that, yeah. that people can then also support the work that you spent so much time on, Sure, but also get it in a more reliable sort of single yeah. place. Yeah. And <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's funny. Um, I, I really appreciate blogs that have done that or people that have done that with taking posts that essentially are available for free on their blog and done the curation for me, picked out the things that matter to them, the, the message they most want to get across compile it into a book and sell it to me. I would much rather have that not only because it supports the writer and that sort of thing, which is something I believe in, but mostly because it saves me a lot of time. Right. And I don't have to go through an entire website to kind of get the point or to find the thing I need or that I need to get out of it. Right. Yeah. I can, I can just have this nice physical object that I can, pull off my shelf and maybe I can flip through and just pick out posts at random and say, yeah, okay. I like that. I think more people should do that. I encourage people to do that often. I need to explore that. Yeah. I have, I have a very contentious relationship with feeling like I constantly need to be putting out something new, some mold breaking concept all mm -hmm. the time. And that the things I've written are in the past at this point, I just want to move forward, forward, forward. And I know that just because I want to move forward, 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 always put out something new, try to do things differently to some extent that those things are still valuable, mm -hmm. right? And those yeah. things are still helpful yeah. in, in a lot of ways, but I have a hard time saying, okay, I can take this and compile it. I struggle with repurposing. A lot of people are great at repurposing content, especially in the web age of mm -hmm. having every social media network and all the publishing platforms and, and with video and all these things. Mm -hmm. Oh, you can put video on Instagram now and all yeah. this other stuff. Yeah, I've struggled to want to even right. repurpose some of the things I've made because I sort of see it as like a, and, and I know that's so mm -hmm. important. It's really helpful mm -hmm. when you're trying to do all of this stuff. Well, and think of it this way. Instead of thinking of it necessarily as repurposing, in the case of Minimal Mac, uh, you could call it repurposing, but you could also call it closing the door, mm. right? And that's that. That was my intention. There was to simply close the door on that chapter, right? And say, okay, out of all the stuff I did here, all the work I put into it. This is what matters. And I'm going to put that together as a thing. And then I'm not going to revisit that topic again. What was the hardest part about doing that? 
closing the door on that project. Once I had decided to do it, it was, it was done. It was, you know, and it made sense. It made sense for all the right reasons. It made sense for the commitment of time. I didn't want to necessarily feel obligated to this thing anymore. I didn't want to feel obligated to the fresh and the new and they always coming up with a new angle and then always coming up with a new way to do, you know, and now I'm double posting my stuff to medium because that's this whole audience. And now I can make money that way until they tell me I can't and they yank the plug on that. And now they're keeping all the money, but now I'm kind of stuck on you know, Yeah. No, I, I just, that, that was never my, my thing. Um, I'm a probably, unusual person in that money is an extremely low motivating factor for me. It's just not something I really care about. Um, you know, granted uh, that is a very, very, very privileged statement. Um, I am not going to dispute that whatsoever. Um, there are definitely times in my life, uh, where, I had to be really, really, really very concerned with money. Um, luckily, I have a, um, you know, kind of an income snowball right now, my wife and I do, that allows us to not have to worry that much. I, you know, I did walk away from some money. Or, uh, I, I certainly left some money just kind of sitting there on the table. And I would say that that was perhaps the hardest, scariest thing to do, despite my lack of concern for it was, you know, it's like, okay, well, here's a regular guaranteed income that by shutting down this blog, although it's not much, I had managed to monetize that blog in a way that felt very comfortable to me um, and did not involve Google ads. Um, yeah. it did not involve large corporations whatsoever, which was great. Um, and I guess the way I got over that was, well, you know, I'm going to sell these books and that's a long tail sort of thing because I'll have an initial rush of, you know, of orders for that. I'm sure as people basically, there are only two types of buyers, people who really appreciate what I've did here and other people who are buying it really just to say thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, which is a, another very valid reason to buy something. And I, I do that all the time. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, and yeah, and that, that would maybe I sell one a month for the next several years. Still, um, it's something mm -hmm. right. Yeah. My view of that and, and something that has continually come back for me with the process of letting go hmm. is that, as you mentioned, when we are choosing to let go of something, we know what it is that we're losing. We can see the income statement, mm -hmm. large or small. Mm -hmm. We can see the routine or the schedule or the purpose that mm -hmm. we've acquired from doing such a thing over mm -hmm. a period of time. Mm -hmm. We can see that it's almost tangible, mm -hmm. but it's impossible often to know what we're gaining from letting go of that thing. Yes. It's this big, just kind of void 
that we need to just step into to figure out what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. What came from it? Well, what came from it was it freed up my mind and headspace to think about and write about other things. It allowed me to pay more attention to my own personal site. Um, Minimal Mac was limiting in that that was specifically writing about the intersection between simplicity and technology. So, yeah, it basically allowed me the time and the freedom and the bandwidth uh, to think about and write about other things. This Could Help is a fantastic book. Thank you. And something I've really enjoyed, too. Specifically, I love the title. Okay. Because in this work, I found that the nature of advice and the nature of this stuff is that no advice really applies to everyone and that we have to balance the ideas that we're sharing and the things that we come up with because for one person saying you need to just let go and just be Mm -hmm. is terrible advice if they're not taking action on the things that they know they want to do and Mm -hmm. and just sort of letting go of it all Mm -hmm. versus a person that's overscheduled, over busy, mm-hmm. constantly trying to hold on to something that is not beneficial to them, mm-hmm. let go, just be, is probably great advice. Mm-hmm. And so the nature of this stuff is is just so vague at times. And I just, I love this could help. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, you you'd be surprised at how much uh, I've had other people um, who I greatly respect, including one person who I, I you know, certainly consider and beyond a friend and advisor and mentor, you know, tell me, well, it will help. Why can't you just like have the confidence to say it will help? Because you know it will, and you need to just own it. And you need to like, you know... It's a squishy title. You need something stronger. You know, I, yeah. I, I love him to death. Uh, Garrick, if you're listening. Here's the thing. Words mean things to me. And especially when those words are a promise. Right? And the reason it is this could help versus this will help is because both of those are promises. And I would hate for even one person to pick it up, read through it, say, yeah, none of this is for me and it's crap. It didn't help me at all. Mm -hmm. I... You know, I could have a hundred thousand people that bought it and told me it was great. It was fantastic. It helped them out a lot. I would feel the weight of that one promise broken. And so because words mean things, I use them with intention. I use them wisely. I do not use them flippantly or with uh, disregard. It makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. I I feel what you say about the one person. Yeah. Yeah. 
And quite frankly, we all have a little bit of that, I think. The the one negative re- review you get just carries so much more weight than the five positive ones do. And it shouldn't be that way. It should. But it is. It is. It and is for a lot of people. For a while on YouTube, I was going into the comment section. And in general, I I just have such wonderful people subscribing on YouTube and people commenting and and just sharing these wonderful anecdotes and such supportive messages and then there will be one dude usually (laughs) there will be one guy that's like one angry white dude just yeah (laughs) yes (laughs) actually that's i think a hundred percent accurate so far yeah yeah. you have to see it any other way but yes but that one person and then i spend all this energy I used to. I don't do this anymore, but I used to spend all this energy just formulating a response to be like, no, you're wrong, mm-hmm. and here's why you're wrong about me. I'm mm-hmm. not what you think, what you're suggesting I am. Mm-hmm. And and I just, and then I would look past all of the wonderful people saying wonderful things yeah. and not put my energy towards responding to those comments and and say thank you sucked me away and i realized wait a minute yeah i'm trying to put out this positive stuff i'm trying to to share helpful things and and do the best i can to to make the best things i can and these people are supporting me and being so helpful and and just encouraging and i am not giving them back the energy that that they deserve right now i would try to respond to every comment but sometimes it just yeah it's no good yeah yeah and yeah, you know, well, the first lesson to learn from that is never read the comments ever, especially <laughs> on your own stuff. Just don't do it. I do not. Yeah, I, I, I first, I don't understand why people even have comments um, because it, it is just a recipe for your own turmoil, your own inner turmoil, um, and especially for you know those of us. You know, you know, who struggle with uh, said inner turmoil, uh, you know, have struggled with depression, have st- struggled with mental illness. Uh, I say struggle, I mean survive, really. Um, I'm trying to get away from that word, struggle, in connection to mental illness. Um, I'm not always great, as, great at it, as you can see. But um, that is only fuel for the fire. Um, for the piggyback guy, um, for those who don't know the piggyback guy, depression, especially those of us who live with depression, always have this big 300 pound smelly guy hanging around and he's over there in the corner. Some days he's far away. Some days he's a couple hundred yards away and he's sitting over there just looking sad and surly and you can ignore him. Some days he's closer. Some days he's literally breathing in your ear. Hmm. And you can just feel him there. There's nothing you can do to run away. There's nothing you can do to get away. You got this guy. And this guy, the whole time, he's sitting there and he's like, okay, I want a piggyback ride. I need a piggyback ride. I need that piggyback ride now. No, no, no. You've got to give me the piggyback ride. No, you've got to. No, no. I'm going to get on your back now. No, no, no. I'm going to do it. Oh, by the way, yeah, you're not giving me the ride. And so, you know, that, that you're a terrible person. I'm, all I'm asking for is a piggyback ride. 
And how selfish are you that you won't give it to me? What, I smell? You think I smell? Uh, how judgmental is that? Why do you think that? Why do you think I'm such a horrible... Like, that, that's not... You're a horrible person for thinking that. That's that guy whispering in my ear all the time. Every minute, every waking minute of my day, and sometimes when I'm asleep. And sometimes he's so far away I can't hear him saying that stuff. That's most days. But some days, he's right there. And then some days... I, I, I can't, I can't fight him off. I said, fine, get on my back. And he gets on, and now I'm carrying him around. This 300-pound guy, all day long, with everything I do. And everything I have to do feels that much harder and feels that much more impossible. And I, I fall and I stumble, and I can't get back up. Some days, I wake up, and out of nowhere, he's on my chest. And I can't get out of bed. And I'm stuck. And there's nothing I can do. I can't push him off. I can't. I'm, I'm stuck. And there's no reason for it. It's not like, oh, you know, you had a bad day. So, you know, uh, it, no, it's just, it, it, it happens. Every angry YouTube commenter is the piggyback guy. The piggyback guy is now in the body of a person who, on the other side of the internet who thinks that they know more than you do, who thinks that they're better than you, that think you're a terrible person, that think that you're just some smug white asshole who has it all together and that you don't understand and yeah, and is there to just make you feel like crap, right? Why? Why do you why would you want to go to where the piggyback guy is? Stay away from that. Stay away from the piggyback guy. That's my advice. You don't need any more of them. What are, uh, thank you for sharing that. No problem. What, what are some ways that you might do that on a regular basis or what are some practices that, oh. that might, I realize that th these things can be very, <laughs> this could help. Exactly. Exactly. I don't, I mean, even as it, from the perspective of limiting the comments, Sure. Those types of things, tactical things like that. I know that yeah. this is tricky. Well, it is tricky because, the, you know, no one has the same piggyback guy. And there is no one true way, right? Um, we know more about... We know more about the constellation Orion than we do about the human brain. That's not hyperbole. Yeah. Um, we have yet to develop a way to say, I don't know, stick a needle in your head, take a little sample, or find out from your DNA or whatever, find out why it is your synapses don't fire the way other people's synapses do, or why you know these chemicals are not going the same route that other people's chemicals are. You know, you get what I'm saying, right? Why is it that that these people have a mental illness, their brain is not working correctly, it's not working what we would consider normally, it's working in a way that is seeking to kill them. Why is that? Where other people don't. There's zero way to test that, and there's zero understanding. Now, we've come up with some pretty good drugs. They keep getting better. 
they don't work for everybody. And they are such an imperfect science because we can't have no way to test every individual and come up with the right combination for them. You, we literally have to spend years ramping people up on various medications and combinations and seeing what works and bringing them back in once a week or every two weeks and saying, yeah, how's that working? How's that feeling? How's that, you know, no, this is wrong. You feel a little bit more like this and a little bit less like that. Well, let's give you a little bit more of this and a little bit less of that. And, and literally playing with that combination until they find the right one for you. It is a miracle that that works for some people. the process of getting there more often will make you feel even more crazy for lack of a better word than going to try to get sane than doing nothing at all. Right. And so that's the hard part. Right. But what I can say is certainly, um, modern pharmaceuticals, they're getting better at it. It is not perfect. It works for a lot of people. And if it's not something, if you, if there are people that struggle and they haven't explored that with a psychiatrist and a therapist, you need both. The psychiatrist dispenses drugs. The therapist, dis, you know, kind of helps you work through work through the the life that you've got to live on said drugs. You know, um, yeah, get those. Give it a shot. It may help. Uh, there are other people for whom they've been on that roller coaster ride. Patrick raises his hand for those podcast listeners. Um, <clears throat> and have found that that has not worked for them. What works for me is mindfulness and meditation. Um, and basically small B Buddhist practice. Mm. Um, I say small B Buddhist. It's a practice for me, not a religion. Right. Um, and that is what worked for me. Um, I, uh, there is a book called the mindful way through depression, which I highly recommend. Um, it is exa about exactly that, about how to use mindfulness, uh, meditation, uh, and, and Zen practice to basically work through the piggyback guy and in some ways at least get him to listen to you every once in a while, which is nice because um, it goes from never he never listens to... Hey, yeah, he, he, he listens sometimes. And for me, he listens all, he, almost all the time. Mm -hmm. Not every time, but almost all the time. I mean, and, and there are some people, I don't, just getting out more in nature helps, right? Just getting more vitamin D into your body from being out in the sun helps. Uh, just, uh, you know, being, uh, you know, changing who you're associating with and getting negative people out of your life can help. You know, I mean, there's any number of things that could help. And the only thing I can recommend is try them all until you find what works for you. Depression and other similar mental illnesses 
are known killers. They will kill you. You will die. You will most likely die by your own hand. And you will not be able to explain to anyone why you made that choice. And no one would be able to understand you after you've made it. It, it just it doesn't make sense. It is senseless. Um, and the only thing that you can do to stop it is to try to find whatever combination of help, of therapy, of medications, of, of psychiatry, of mindfulness, of meditation, of whatever works for you. Mm, thank you. Those practices you mentioned, mm-hmm. what do some of those look like? What does meditation look like for you? Breathing in, I am alive. Breathing out, I am home. I just meditated. That's it. People think that it's this, you gotta like have the Zafu cushion, sit down, you know, fold your legs in the lotus position, put your fingers and, you know, kind of, you know, your hands in your lap, you know, maybe burn some incense, have several statues of the Buddha around. Gosh, all of that sounds really nice and I wish I had any of it. Um, but guess what? Most days I'm doing a podcast or (laughs) I don't have that. You know what I have? I have what everyone else has. I have right now, this moment, that's it. That's all I have. That's all I'm guaranteed to have. And so I've got to use it in the best way I can. Sometimes I do that. Breathing in, I have arrived. Breathing out, I am home. Just a, 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 a simple mantra said over and over again, moment by moment, focused on my breath, going in, going out. That's meditation. And you do that once, you do that five times, you do it for 20 minutes, you do it for a half hour, you do it for three hours, you do it for a day, you do it for a week, you do it for a weekend, whatever. It counts. Don't let anyone tell you that it doesn't. Any moment that you spend being present in that moment counts as mindfulness meditation. Absolutely. It's it's really easy to get caught up in the feeling that if I'm not sitting for 20 minutes with my legs crossed and mm-hmm. my, my hands in the air, that that it doesn't count. If I, if I sit here for one minute and just breathe and recenter and just take a moment to, I'm okay. This Mm -hmm. is, this is fine. Mm -hmm. That, that isn't something that's actually, oh, and it's absolutely helpful, especially if it's a new practice, especially if it's a new practice. And especially if you just, you want to get started somewhere, start now. There. Great. Now, maybe do that. Twice as long mm-hmm. for maybe three seconds as opposed to one and a half or, you know, however long that was. I don't even know how long that was. It doesn't matter how long that was. Do two breaths. Now do three. Now do four. Pretty soon you're sitting for five minutes. Maybe you're sitting for 20. Maybe you have the capacity to sit all day. I don't. 
but some people do. Um, uh, I, yeah, for me, it's just a matter of, I, I wish I had. Like, I'd love to go to like an all-day meditation retreat. My friend Dawn, who's my, my, my dear, dear friend, she was best ma'am at my wedding. She, <laughs> she, 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 uh, she, she is the person I feel closest to in this world, um, be it outside of my wife and my daughter. Um, she got me... Uh, a uh, th- three nights at a place in you know close by uh, to the Twin Cities where we are uh, called uh, Pacum on Terrace. Uh, uh, it's Latin. It means peace on earth in Latin. Mm. Um, and it is a um, Franciscan based guest hermitage where they have small throw like cabins. They have a single gas lamp in them, um, but otherwise, and a, a, a gas heater, but are unelectric. They're not electrified. There's no, there's no mobile service out there. So even if you do bring your phone or whatever, it's probably it may not work. Um, but you're encouraged not to bring anything. No electronics. No books. Um, uh, they do provide a Bible in the, uh, in the cabin, but even in their welcome material, they explicitly say, this is not for your reading enjoyment. Okay. The Bible is there. If you feel called to look up a particular passage, you can't remember. It's there for a reference tool, but we encourage you not to read it that the idea here is just to come and be silent with yourself to just be by yourself and only yourself for a day for two days for however long you need it Hmm. and that was fantastic I, i i i have the desire to do that every year i don't think i can just with the way that my life works, but I certainly plan on doing it again. Um, it was, it was, it was just amazing. That sounds amazing. Yeah. And what I will say is I had an experience where I went to a cabin that did not have cell phone reception. And this is when I had a flip phone. So mm-hmm. puts you back in, in the general yeah. time, yeah. but I remember even then feeling incredibly anxious. I was there for, I was there (laughs) for three days actually. I remember feeling incredibly anxious and checking my phone, even though there was no signal. And this was again, before the modern (laughs) smartphone, right? You you didn't have a twitch to break at that point. (laughs) Right. Like this is before, you know, Blackberry became the Crackberry. Right, yeah. And then then Apple came along and went, hold my beer. (laughs) Let let me show you what addiction really is. And so I remember feeling this just anxiety Mm -hmm. and, and this really tense feeling and then after the first day passed mm-hmm. waking up the second day looking mm-hmm. out over a lake mm-hmm. i just went oh yeah wow yeah and then the second and third day felt yeah free yeah did I, you go through anything yes, similar with very that? much so definitely and they actually warn you about that 
one of the things they state in their welcome materials is like when you first arrive, even though we're not, you're coming from the Twin Cities, we're not far from the Twin Cities, you're going to get here, you're going to, you know, and, and you're going to want to probably take a nap and that's okay. We call it the holy rest, right? And, and that, you know, that even that wretch rest is kind of, is part of the spiritual practice of, of coming to, coming here. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Within an hour of uh, getting in that cabin, I fell asleep. Um, well, and you know, part of that is just kind of the quiet and the stillness and and everything else. But the other part of that is true. You're just you're so exhausted for already, uh, and coming down off of that high, right? And then when I woke up, yeah, my first instinct was like, okay, what do I do now? What do I do? What do I do? Um, and because your brain has spent so long looking for the next thing to do, looking for the next thing on your calendar. And when you're, you don't have another thing on your calendar, it's like, how many errands can I run? Can I, get, I need to go get this. I need to do that. You know, and if you have a kid, oh my God, that just, you know, it, it, it explodes. Um, cause the kid's got to get here and there and you got to get this, that, and the other thing. And it's just crazy. And you're, when you get into that space, even take the smartphone out of the equation as you do, take the cell phone. It's not about that. It's about, your mind has to get used to the idea of the answer to that being nothing. There is nothing for me to do. There literally is nothing to do. And since there's nothing to do, what, what do I work on now? What, you know, the, the mind is constantly working on things. That's what it does. That's his job. Right. And so it's constantly seeking like, okay, I need new inputs. Uh, I need new direction. Um, and what you eventually find after you've kind of gone through that day of detox. And this isn't just about technology. Like I said, this is about life, that day of detox from your life. And now that you're alone and now that you have nothing to do, you only have one question to answer it's a a cone uh k-o-a-n uh which is a um uh essentially a buddhist riddle meant to transmit the dharma i.e the lesson the teaching right um and this is a cone that uh often is referred to as the one true cone um the reason it's the one true cone is because it's the cone that is at the heart of all cones and that is the simplest question in the world, which is also the most complex and the hardest to grasp, which is, who am I? Now, I know, like I said, it sounds simple, but let's think about this for a second. Oh boy, here we go, yeah. How do you feel right now, Anthony? I feel pretty good. My back's a little sore. Who, <laughs> who feels good? I do, but who is I? My consciousness, uh, my body. So is is it your your I doing the feeling? Because the feeling is an action, and it, 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 so and and the I can only be aware; it cannot take action. Consciousness cannot take action. 
right? And so you are in fact separate from feeling good. Right, <laughs> right. Right? Because like I said, an I, the I is awareness. It is pure awareness. It is aware of the action, but it is not the action. Right? So the fact that my, I should be sitting up more right now and I feel it in my lower back. Those are all choices being made by your consciousness and and by that awareness. It is when, when I ask you how you feel that awareness arises, looks at the conditions and makes a choice, right? But what that means, the beauty of that is that you're separate from that. Who you really are deep down inside is separate from that. And now you have to ask yourself, where is that awareness coming from? What happens before the awareness? Right. That, that's where you start to get really deep and you start to understand that that awareness, that consciousness, that the very existence of it has always been there. And by always, I really do mean the totality of always. So uh, once again, you know, the more you drill down on that question, the more you drill down on who am I, who am I, who am I, the more you, 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 you kind of get deeper and deeper and deeper into that eye. Guess what? Number one, in a situation like that, it keeps your brain really busy and it's very happy being busy. But number two, <laughs> but, but, but number two, you can also understand that even that busyness is non-dual. Um, non-dual being a concept that um, of, of something existing, uh, opposites existing simultaneously, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that I, that you, the I, am not busy. That the I is aware of the busy, and that the busy itself is a choice, right? And that if you can drill down to just that pure awareness, you will find peace. And that is really what mindfulness and meditation and Buddhism and Christianity and Judaism and Islam and you name the religion, you name the spiritual practice, and quite frankly, you name the life And really what we're all trying to seek is peace, is inner peace. The stuff we buy is an attempt to satisfy a craving, and that craving, once satisfied, will give you that much more peace. Everything that we eat is eaten to satisfy a craving. That craving being satisfied will give you more peace. That we all we do all day long with everything we do is seek peace. <laughs> and that's being driven by the I. And once you understand that, I shouldn't say being driven by the I, that, that, that you are aware of those things from being in touch with your I. And once you understand that your I is separate from those actions, you'll understand that the peace is also separate from those actions, that the I is already at peace. The I is peace. And that all of these other things are simply 
uh, you know, <clears throat> assaults on said peace. The peace is already there. This has me. <laughs> I know. I just broke your brain. I just broke the brain of everyone watching, and that's I okay. I, I, hope I break brains we're, all the time. We're trying to bring. Uh, I, this is why I'm doing this podcast because <laughs> I want to be thinking about these things. I want to be introduced to to ideas. This has me thinking about a couple things. Okay. One, uh, a book, The Untethered Soul. Yes. Which oh, an amazing book. Just an incredible book. Yes. Um, it's one that that I read and went. Oh, and uh, it introduced me to some of that idea of who yeah. am I? Yeah. Am I the consciousness? Am I the body? What is going on? Yeah. The other thing is a practice that I have been thinking about and, and, and doing recently, which is the idea of who am I mm-hmm. without X? Uh, so how do I define myself mm. without the things in my life, mm-hmm. without the color of my skin or my body or the color of my eyes or, or the things I'm known for Mm -hmm. when all of that is gone, who am I? What do I stand for? Mm -hmm. What are the actions that I take on a day to day basis? Mm -hmm. And do they reflect what I believe of who I am? Mm. Mm. And that has been interesting because so much of success, so much of the idea of being this successful person comes from all of these external measures that have sometimes little to do with how you actually act, how you treat people, how you show up. Yes. And that's a challenge. Yes. Because the, the, the shirts, the, Mm -hmm. the, the way I dress while I want to try to dress well, I also feel like this is what, what is, is this? It's why I don't really wear, big graphic tease that much anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, just things like that. But every little thing is how we sort of represent ourselves to the world. And it's the first thing people see. And it's, it's how they immediately judge us based on mm-hmm. what they think we're going to be like. Right. And so who am I without mm-hmm. X? And yeah. this question has proven very difficult to yeah. answer. Yeah. Well, and I, I think also kind of travels to the heart of of that question as a you know as a cone as a as a thought exercise or as a spiritual exercise, um, and I think that it's a a question that is born from the opposite of that, right? That are you know that. I need this to be, you know, that I need, you know, to be a musician, I need an instrument is a good example. I'm just pulling because there's a, you know, a keyboard on the desk over there. Sure. You know, that to be a musician, I need to be an instrument. Well, I need an instrument. No, the instrument doesn't make you a musician. The only thing that makes you a musician is the ability to understand how to make music, right? And that, you know, notes and sounds and things like that make music. But even then, like, you know, I I can, you know, take this pen and I can, you know, make, I can make a rhythm, right? You know, sound and rhythm, right, exactly, Right. right? That's, we're making music. Don't need an instrument. 
I've got it right here. I don't even need my voice to do it, right? I can pick something up, right? I, could, I, I don't necessarily even need my ears, right? I just You get what I'm saying, right? That, <clears throat> that none of these things make you who you are. The answer, the only answer to that question is nothing. Nothing and everything, maybe, or maybe just nothing. Maybe just nothing. Because my next question, naturally, and I don't think this is a road we, we need to go down to, but yeah. if w w then what does? If nothing makes me anything, what what does make me who I am? And wow, so that's, that's a whole. That's an interesting question, yeah. my friend Anthony. And yeah. uh, I, I, to, to, to be honest, that's one that I think we all spend a lifetime uh, exploring. And I, at least I hope we do. I hope we all gain the, 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 the wisdom, the age, the introspective to spend our whole lives trying to answer that question, knowing that there is none. <laughs> What I will say, knowing that, is that there is, I think, a lot of hope and a lot of positivity that can come out of that mentality. Oh, there's no question about that. In one, letting go of these external ways we're defined. Mm -hmm. But two, I see the word aspiring a lot. I see the word aspiring musician. I'm an aspiring minimalist. Mm -hmm. I'm an aspiring another M word because mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm on theme here and I want, it doesn't need to come from me. I'm not the, the governing body here, but I want to give people permission to give themselves permission to just choose and be that as soon as we start a, a, running habit. as soon as we start jogging around the block you're you're a jogger or a mm. runner whatever you want to call it the moment you act as that thing that you wish to become you are acting in that capacity now i know that this diverges from the idea of self and yeah no, who am it, i no but this is a great discussion right because i th i agree i think that there is this kind of um you know the, the folks that are aspiring blank are you know uh, you know are coming from the same reason why i named my book this could help right you know that the, the, they don't want to commit yeah. right they don't want they don't want to say that they are something that they are not and now and, and you know uh and that they are not quite ready to commit to believing in themselves that they are right for the longest time I couldn't call myself a writer. When people ask me, well, what do you do? I, I couldn't say writer. You know why I couldn't say writer? I couldn't say writer because despite the fact that I've been writing all my life, I, it wasn't what I did for a living. It wasn't what I did for a job. It wasn't something that I necessarily made money from. And even when I was making money for it, I couldn't bring myself to calling myself a writer when people asked me that question until my writing income was equal to or greater than my income as a technical consultant, which I also am, or as X or as Y, whatever job, you know, you know, video store manager or this or that or the other thing, right? I mean, who, who, who made that choice and decision? Who came up with that as the truth and as like the way that I should have been thinking of it? And like, who, who made up those rules? Yeah. Me, yeah. I made up those rules. I made them up. How? I, it was 
arbitrarily perhaps? arbitrarily yes <laughs> yeah. you know it's like that you know i decided somewhere along the way that that was the benchmark at which i was going to decide to answer that question as a writer when people asked and that until i reached that benchmark i couldn't now some may say well wow you know well that's an interesting way to actually purpose a goal right mm-hmm. you know that to kind of set that line in the sand to make that mark you know uh what does what does creativity look like for you if you were to define it for yourself uh and that's a very broad intentionally broad question yeah i know what does creativity look like in your life and and how does it show up wow um creativity is a view askew it's you know, maybe looking at things from a different direction than the way someone else might. It's um, maybe looking, digging a little bit deeper than someone else might be willing to do about something that seems simple. But in fact, when you dig deeper, you find out it's a lot more complex. Um, Something that seems obvious that maybe to you that maybe isn't to a lot of people um uh, creativity is um having the courage i guess uh, for lack of a better word to put yourself out there and say you probably have thought of this before i'm just probably some idiot who just now realized this but this thing that I probably was obvious to you was not obvious to me. And here's how I'm thinking about it and throwing it out in the world and finding out you have a lot of other people that raise their hands. Yeah. I didn't think about it that way either. Thanks for writing that. Cause now I never thought about it that way. And now I, now I'm thinking about it that way and that's a good thing. Right. Yeah. Um, for a writer, creativity is the fear of the blank page, the fear that you're going to sit your butt down in that chair and stare at an eight and a half by 11 or, well, you know, if you're if you're using a screen or whatever, you know, you're going to stare at this blank thing and have nothing. And that you know that the only way to have something is to just sit there. And then maybe, maybe force yourself to put something on the page, anything. It doesn't matter. Just do it. Just put something there so you can get up and say, yeah, I put something there. And have most of that be absolutely nothing. And every once in a while, have it be something that is worth putting out into the world. I sat down the other day at the end of a long day opened up my journal, wrote the date, and wrote the word tired. Guess what? I wrote something that day. You wrote, yep. I wrote. And it may not be something I'm proud of. It may not be something that's worth publishing and putting out on the internet for the world to see. You know, it's not even worthy of a freaking tweet. But it, it was where I was at in that moment. And so it counts. It does. Absolutely. And with that in mind, I'm curious, what, 
advice you might give to someone who is working on writing, who is staring at that blank page, one I am very, very familiar with and still <laughs> struggle with to this day after yeah. two years of, of daily writing challenges yeah. and, and sort of letting go of some of that at this point in my life. Yeah. Hence some of the reason for this podcast. Yeah. What might you say to to someone who's looking to write books as you've done? Yeah, um, this one for me is probably different than you may get from a lot of uh, like people who write real books, <laughs> um, because I, I I you know I I've, I I write essays right, um, and I put those essays together into uh, the form of a book and. Um, once again, I've set an unreasonable benchmark for myself as to what a real book is and what a real book isn't. Exactly. Right. Um, and so that's my own fault. But what I can say is that, uh, yeah, it may be, it could be that the book is what's really getting in your way. Trying to write a book is getting in your way. Don't write a book write a sentence and once you write that sentence follow it with whatever you think the next logical sentence after that sentence should be right and you do that enough and you might have a blog post um you do enough of those blog posts uh and maybe you might have a book um i don't i don't know if this is the exact story or not but the Martian. Everyone knows The Martian, the Chris Weir, and the you know the 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 movie with Matt Damon, and there's this uh, enormously successful book and everything else. I could be wrong about this, but something is striking in my memory that he originally wrote that as like, um, uh, like a series of blog posts, or maybe it was to Reddit or. You know, Metafilter. I for, I forget. It was like he 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 wrote this thing on the internet. You know how it's structured in like this series of essentially you know log entries. Um, the book is, um, that it was really that it was like he uh, he wrote it pretending to be that guy trapped on Mars and posting these things. You know these log entries to the internet from Mars. He pretended to be that guy. Da, da. Mm -hmm. And that <clears throat> it that itself became popular enough and got passed around enough that it landed on the desk of some editor at Penguin who got into it and was like, oh, this could be a book. And approached him and was like, you know, uh, have you thought of like putting this into a book? And because he, you've pretty much written most of it with the, with the logs and stuff. And, sure. you know, maybe if we flushed it out this way or that way, it could be like a real kind of thrilling narrative. Um, and got the deal and, you know, but had already written like 90% of the book from these log entries and just had to kind of fill in like with what was happening on earth and this other spaceship being sent to rescue him and stuff like that. The point being is that there's, at least one example, and I'm sure that there are thousands more of people that didn't write books, but still had enormously successful books. <laughs> right. But they didn't start out writing a book. They started out writing some, you know, fantasy log 
uh, you know, a first person narrative thinking of themselves as being trapped on Mars. Yeah. So start small. Yeah, start small. Just let it be a sentence. Let it be a sentence. Let it be a word. Yeah, that's good advice. I I tried to write a book mm-hmm. and eventually succeeded, but only when I learned that I needed to try to write a paragraph. Yeah. Even with the Breakthrough Twitch blog, yeah. I I'm have a weird history with writing. Yeah. And and even with Break the Twitch, every time I would set out in my brain, I would say, okay, I have to sit down and write a 1200 word blog post or an 800 word blog post. And it has to have these keywords and nothing (laughs) would come out. And I'd feel just, what am I doing? And I put so much pressure on myself that I sort of wrote a lot of drafts and never got a lot of finished pieces out of it. There were periods where I wrote published, sorry, where I published much less, even though I was writing almost every day. Mm. And so it really is just, it can be distilled. I think that is great advice. Don't write, don't write a book. Yeah. Write just some ideas. Right. Share some thoughts. And well, and, and it, it could be that writing is just full of resistance for you. And that, Mm -hmm. you know, the resistance as Stephen Pressfield calls it another, uh, writer who's war of art, art, war of art and uh, fantastic stuff. Um, uh, you know, the, this idea of the resistance, right? The resistance is that thing that all creatives struggle with that thing that's trying to get them to stop doing what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and that pops up everywhere and there may be enough resistance in writing for you where there's, and there's just not in when you're talking and when you're interviewing someone and when you're, you know, I mean, just, you know, think of this, right? You sat down with a list of questions that you really haven't touched, right? We went all these different places and had this lovely conversation, right? It wasn't about keywords or SEOs or you had these goals in mind. You wanted to get these questions answered and we didn't follow the format. It was a failure sort of thing. You don't have that same resistance when it comes to this. Yeah. And that's okay. Guess what? You don't have to be a writer. You could, you know, you can be a broadcaster and that's perfect. You know, that's, that's a a place where you obviously don't feel the resistance, but you're still putting your ideas out there and, and that's fine too, right? All writing is, is a method for the exchange of ideas, right? For the ability for me to put my ideas somewhere other than in here, somewhere other than in my head. And that's all this is too, right? Yeah. That's okay. They're the same thing. They're doing the same thing. So they are the same thing. Mm-hmm. They're just doing it differently. And that's okay. And one of my favorite fa- phrases, and that's okay. And that's okay. Love it. So I gave up my daily writing challenge after a year and a half of 250 words and then 500 words a day. Mm-hmm. I gave up this year. Mm-hmm. And I... I started a podcast and I started focusing more on YouTube videos and I sort of let go. I withdrew from three consecutive semesters of English classes Mm -hmm. due to incompletion and just not doing well. 
And then I tried to start a career as a writer. Yeah. As a blogger, as a writer. Yeah. And, yeah. and I just, there's just so, I just, there's so much I want to, more I want to talk to you about, <laughs> about this, about like, how do you know when? That's like you wrapped up the, the minimal Mac. That's why I was so curious about it in the beginning, why I led mm-hmm. with that. Cause mm-hmm. it's like, mm-hmm. how, how do you know when you're just letting go too easily? Yeah. The other day I was out running and my, my ankle hurt. I ended up with an overuse injury cause I kept pushing through it. Uh, yeah. You, you can't do that. Yeah. But anyway, what, maybe was in it the plantar ne- fasciitis. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's exactly what it is. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's a. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So painful. Yes. Unbelievably painful. I couldn't yeah. put weight on my foot. Yeah, I know. I had it's to just, ice and elevate insane. and wrap for f- three, four days before I could start walking again. A uh, uh, pro tip: uh, take a take a uh, you know just a cheap plastic water bottle. Uh-huh. Uh, pour uh, you know maybe a quarter of the water out of it. Um. Put it in the freezer, so because you know the reason you pour it out, so it can expand, mm-hmm. right? You get a ice roller that you can roll it. that planter that, that planter over and roll that area over with the ice and the rolling to kind of massage it out and roll, oh my gosh! Well, I need to start doing that too, just because I'm I've been doing like strong lifts and and a lot of working on recovering my fitness level yeah. and not even recovering, just getting to my peak fitness level that yeah. I've ever been probably. And, yeah. and so I'm pushing myself harder than I have in the past. And so these little things I'm noticing are happening. And, and, and so I guess I would say, look at all of that, that leaving the writing behind has opened up for you. Yeah. Yep. How did you know? Who cares how you knew? What are you doing with it? Right? Yeah. And, you know, you're getting yourself in better physical shape. You're doing this, right? I just had a gut feeling. I'm one of those people that trust my guts on things. And I just had a feeling like, okay, I'm, I, I don't know if I have anything more to say about this subject. And I feel, I feel just in my gut, like I'm just repeating myself over and over. And I don't think that's, that's not fun to read. Um, and therefore it's not uh, useful to write. You know, yeah, I, I don't feel like I'm helping people anymore. Yeah, that was that was a big. Uh, the distinction is important because I I growing up, I, I was I'm, I am a multi potentialite, mm-hmm. meaning mm-hmm. lots of different passions, interests. Mm-hmm. Me and too. and growing up, what that looked like was quitting after six months mm. and and doing something else. And in my adulthood now, I've identified the feeling that mm-hmm. every time would happen and then I'd move on to something else shiny and bright and exciting because mm-hmm. I loved that new exciting learning curve of a new thing and then I'd get to jack of all trade level and mm-hmm. then go to something else and, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of benefit that came from that but what I did realize is that after talking to people like Joshua Becker and mm-hmm. and you and, and people that that have been writing and doing these things for a long time I realize that it is those who stay. It mm-hmm. is those who stay that that make it, that mm-hmm. that, that do mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. that that mm-hmm. really builds and scales. Mm-hmm. And and so that's a lesson I've had to learn is that I've identified that feeling, that mm-hmm. of oh, this isn't going as I hoped it would, and I'm not very good at it as I thought I was. That feeling of of nope, that's a push through mm-hmm. sign, versus the. All right, I've methodically written every day for for a year and a half, mm-hmm. and it's just not. I'm not feeling myself want to 
improve this craft. I'm not feeling the des- I don't feel like I'm getting better. Mm. And it's not getting easier for me in any sense of sitting down and doing this every day. And and I love making videos and talking to people. Well, see, so, yeah, exactly. So right. I should. Well, and you know, <laughs> I, I think the question is not, you know, um, you know, kind of, you know, identifying that thing where you, you know, go after the new and shiny all the time is identifying that thing that you keep coming back to. Mm-hmm. Right. That after you run and chase here, chase here, you always end up back here. Pretty soon, you'll realize that's where you should be, should have been all along. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I guess that's, uh, you know, for me and writing, you know, writing is the one place that I've always ended up back at, no matter what I do. Yeah, um, it's the one place I've always returned to, no matter what my job was. It was the one thing I always did. Patrick, where can people find the majority of what you do online? Um, PatrickRone.net, P-A-T-R-I-C-K-R-H-O-N-E. Uh, Rhone, like the river in France, like Cote de Rhone wine. Um, <laughs> if you just Google me, you will find me. I am all over those pages. Um, but PatrickRone.net should be your first hit. And that is where I'm doing the majority of my uh, writing Um now and of course i will link to that as always in the description of the the video and the podcast notes as well so people can find you so that brings us to the time where in every episode we have someone pull from the question vessel all right what was your most recent happy making purchase uh from uh uh, Sarah Vaughn. Sarah Von Bargen. Yes. Von so you got Bargen. a previous guest. Yes there and, you go. Yes and yes.org. Um, which I'm not familiar with. So I'm going to have to she's, check it out. She's here in town. Yeah. Oh, is she? Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. I don't, I don't think I've run into her. She's great. I'm bad with names. Okay. Um, wow. Happy making purchase. This is going to sound strange. Uh, so I recently got back from a uh, trip to Iceland. My, me and my family we went to Iceland for six days. It was fantastic. Iceland is a beautiful, unspoiled country. It is horribly expensive. It is ungodly expensive. But the flights there are pretty cheap. And pro tip, uh, about half of the uh, weight of our bag, uh, our bags were uh, food. Uh, we actually brought food with us because we had an Airbnb we had a full kind of cottage in a rural area, and so we had a, a kitchen, and so we just we made our own dinner and stuff like that. Food is unbelievably expensive in Iceland, especially restaurants. Uh, when I when I say you know if you go out and like you have a beer, and you're going to be paying fifteen dollars for that beer, um, and if you have Yikes. a cocktail, that might be twenty one, twenty two dollars American. We're, we're beating Manhattan prices you know, at, it's this, just, it's <laughs> at this point. It's absolutely point. insane. Um, but I've been a long time kind of one bag travel nerd. Um, I, you know, I like to pack light and go fast. Um, I, I, I am not the sort of person who, who uh, you know, I take less and, you know, say, well, if I need something, I can always buy it at, at my 
destination. Don't do that with Iceland, by the way. That that rule has just don't n- buy things there. Has never failed me until I got to Iceland and realized that the rain jacket I had was not the rain jacket I needed. That the the, the warm clothes I packed were not the warm clothes I needed. You know that the stuff that stayed nice and warm when it was wet. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't pack enough of that. Um, and if you think, oh, I'll just, you know, I can pick up a sweater when I'm there. No big whoop. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. So That's what it. was your, what was your, your happy underwear? Purchase? It was underwear. Okay. Um, so forever I've used, um, uh, the, uh, I believe it's the give and go brief. Okay. Uh, the ex officio from ex officio. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. Um, and I, I literally for like. 20 years I've been, those are my travel briefs. I don't wear them any other time except for when traveling. Mm -hmm. Um, they're, they're, they're light. They, uh, stay odor free, but even when you do need to wash them, you wash them in the sink, you hang them up, they're dry in a couple hours, you know, whatever. They're great. They're fantastic. Probably as a TMI, I'm wearing those right now. Yeah, see, there <laughs> so, you go. And there this, you is go. Not a spon- this is not a no, sponsor no, situation. No, not, not a sponsor situation but at all. But they're, they're pretty great, yeah. So uh, I recently, based on a uh, recommendation from uh, some blog post I was reading somewhere, um, gave uh, Uniqlo, I believe it is. Yes. U-N-I-Q-L-O. Q-L-O, yep. Um, kind of a Japanese brand that has expanded here into the States in the past couple of years or whatever. Um, and they're kind of known for their stylish yet super cheap stuff. Um, they have a brand of uh, uh, boxer briefs and other uh, T-shirts and underwear called Airism, hmm. which are made to be super, super light and comfortable and cool and all of that stuff and so i decided to take some of these with me number one much lighter even than the give and go boxers from merrill um because they're so thin and light you think that they're not going to be resilient that they're just going to fall apart you know um but they're not they're extremely strong but yet you can take like six of these things and like ball them up in your hand to the size of a grapefruit I mean, they, they take up no space whatsoever, hmm. um, which is great. And also because they're so thin and light and made from synthetics, they they dry unbelievably fast. And as a matter of fact, if you have like a packed towel that you're, uh, you know, the idea of one bag travel is that you're going to wash instead of necessarily bringing more stuff. You'll just wash what you have, things yep. like underwear. So there's no need to take if you're going for a week-long trip. Seriously, take two pair of underwear. That's all you need. You need the one that you're wearing. The one you can wash and dry. And the one and, <laughs> and the, you can wash and dry those while you're wearing the next one. And you just in the sink, you brush your teeth, you rinse, and then you hit the stopper, you fill it up with water, you take off your underwear, you throw it in, you wash it up, you hang it on, hang it, and you go to bed naked, and you're great. So um great for the eight person hostel room. Exactly. Um <laughs> I didn't do that. You know why I didn't do that? Because I took six pairs of boxers. You know why I took six pairs of boxers? Because they literally took up half the space as a three pair. Okay, all right. <laughs> it's super light. There you go. And and um, and yeah, they're 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 really really fantastic. I, I love them a lot. They gave me a lot of joy and happiness. And uh, I have a new travel boxer that I will probably be the ones I do for the next twenty years. I'll have to check them out. Yeah. Well. Uh... 
Patrick, thank you so much. It's been an absolute joy. Thank to, you for to having me. Have I, the conversation. I, I love talking with you, Anthony. This is it's always a pleasure, and we don't get to do it enough. So this is really welcome and appreciated, especially right now at this moment. Thank you. Thank you. As always, I'd love to share one of my takeaways with you from this amazing conversation with Patrick. But first, as you probably know, reviews are absolutely essential to getting the word out about a podcast like this one. So if you're enjoying these episodes, please take a moment to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I would greatly appreciate it. There were many things that resonated with me throughout Patrick's conversation, but one of the things that really stuck was him sharing his experience of a three-day meditation retreat. Now, I talked a little bit about a similar experience I had at a cabin where I felt this extreme anxiety, this anxiousness, and this was years ago, just when I had a flip phone of not being able to check my phone, of not being able to see if I had any text messages or anything like that. That experience really is just so symbolic of what the twitch is doing to us. Our brains just get overridden by this twitch, this desire to instantly and comfortably solve any amount of discomfort that we have. It feels good to twitch. And that's why it's so difficult to break that habit, the habit of checking your phone, the habit of making the small purchase maybe you didn't actually need to make. It solves a problem immediately, almost effortlessly. So one of the reminders that I took away from this was that when we start being more intentional with our attention and we start making more difficult choices around how we want to be spending our time, it's actually going to feel worse at first. It reminded me of the sensation of decluttering when we open up a closet and take everything out. It looks like the closet threw up all over the dining room table. It can be completely overwhelming and feel like everything got worse. But then as you go through the things, it gets better. As you choose what you want to get rid of, as you clear things out and really create the space in that closet and then get everything put back, it's so much better than it was before. And the experience for me has been the same with cell phones, with purchasing. It feels uncomfortable to make a change in the sorts of habits that cause us to twitch. But once we get through that initial hump, everything does really get better. So if you are working on breaking the twitch and learning to embrace those in-between moments, the ones that usually get sucked up like a sponge by the twitch itself, know that it's probably going to feel a little worse at first because the twitch comforts that sensation. But once you get past that, it really does get better. All right, if you happen to be listening to this on your favorite podcast player, just want to give you a reminder that the full video versions of this podcast are available along with highlight clips and more. If you subscribe to Break the Twitch on YouTube, you can do that by just going to youtube.com slash break the twitch. And if you are watching this on YouTube right now, you can go ahead and subscribe to the podcast in just audio form everywhere that podcasts are found. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you in the next one.